0: You're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Merry Christmas. I truly enjoy Christmas, and I realize. Not everyone enjoys it to the level that I do. The lights, the Christmas music, and everyone seems in better spirits than usual. Wouldn't you agree? I think everyone works in their own way through the holidays. For example, a grandpa noticed that his seven-year-old granddaughter was behaving especially well, and so he and his wife affirmed the way that she was behaving, so polite, so thoughtful, and told her that they were very proud of her, and Lily just sighed, and, and she said, I'm just trying to get through Christmas. I think she's trying to get on the nice list. In another instance, in the Beaumont, Texas, local newspaper, they printed letters to Santa from young children. A little girl's brief note to the North Pole prompts annoying smile and reflects our human nature. She just said, Dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is more toys than my brothers. Love, Ashley. And finally, one more. The gathering of relatives can certainly be volatile. One sibling told the other, I wouldn't always be right if you weren't always wrong. Now, that's either arrogance or accuracy, probably both. See, we all celebrate Christmas, though, as a treasured holiday every year in many different ways. We forget that Christmas wasn't wasn't declared a federal holiday in the United States until June 26 of 1870. Can you imagine no official holiday of Christmas, no Christmas cards, no Christmas carols, and even getting fined if you dared to celebrate Christmas? That seems crazy, right? But there's always a Grinch out there who's trying to steal Christmas. For example, in England in 1649, under the leadership of Oliver Cromwell, the singing of Christmas carols, as we know them, was abolished by the Puritan parliament. Then in Boston from 1659 to 1681, the celebration of Christmas was completely outlawed and lawbreakers were fined five shillings for celebrating it. That's That's about 20 bucks in today's value. You know, in 1822, the U.S. Postal Service wanted to outlaw the delivery of Christmas cards because the overwhelming number of seasonal mail put such an unusual strain on their resources of manpower. I'm thankful that the Grinches of the world didn't prevail, and we can all sing Christmas carols, send cards, and celebrate Christmas without getting fined, aren't you? Although, I'm all for finding people who listen to Christmas shoes by their own choice. Amen. And we should definitely find people who give fruitcake as a gift. Baw humbug. All right, we're continuing our message series called Christmas Carols using the acronym CAROL. It stands for Common Attitudes Revealing Our Lord. We've been diving into God's Word, examining these attitudes and mindset of Christ that we too are called to have because as Philippians 2.5 states, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset or attitude as Christ Jesus, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The point of this passage and looking at these attitudes isn't to teach us something new about Christ, because we know that, it's to get us to be like him, not simply know about him. And that requires a lot of intentionality, a lot of purpose, reflection, decisiveness on our part. But most importantly, it requires a life surrendered to God that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Never forget this one thing. You are in charge of your attitude. You can change your attitude. And you have been called to have the same attitude as Christ had. Now, so far, we've covered the attitudes of kindness, thankfulness, and joyfulness. Now, today's attitude, holiness. Jesus was holy. You are called to be holy. Sometimes, don't you just want to skip this, toss it out completely, or excuse this calling away? We think, you know, I'm a sinner, always was. It always will be. It's true that sin will not be completely and fully eradicated in your life until you experience glory with Christ in heaven. But this doesn't mean that we stop striving towards holiness. As followers of Christ, this is who you are. You are holy. This is what we are called to, holiness. Peter relays this calling of holiness very powerfully when he states in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. Verse 15 and 16. He says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. That's the goal. Now, the Christmas carol is, O Holy Night. It's been sung for generations, and the story behind this song has an equally powerful message. Placid Kepo was asked to write a poem for a Christmas Eve service in 1847, and he reluctantly agreed, citing his rare church attendance. He read Luke's Gospel for inspiration, we're told, on a bumpy coach ride somewhere in France, and his imagination caused him to wonder, what was it like for Mary and Joseph the night Jesus was born? Those thoughts became, O Holy Night. Capot then asked a friend to compose music for his new poem, Adolf Adams was a famous composer, but he didn't celebrate Christmas because of his Jewish heritage. He didn't believe his friend's poem about the Messiah, but he agreed to create accompanying music anyway. A decade later then, a reclusive American writer brought the song to a whole new audience halfway around the world. John Sullivan Dwight, an accomplished writer in his own right, was looking for new material to review when he read Cantique... De Noël in French. He was a passionate abolitionist trying to live a holy life, so he strongly identified with the lines in the song, and I love this, "...truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease." Well, Dwight translated the lyrics into a hauntingly beautiful English text we now know as O Holy Night. Here's the truth, God expects Christians to be holy. Why? Because he's holy. This is not an optional add-on to the Christian package. This is what we are called to strive towards. Don't dismiss it, embrace it, work towards it, strive for it, be hungry for holiness. Allow this to be a part of your life's ambition, be holy in all you do. And not only does God expect holiness, but here's here's the deal. Holiness is always the best option for your life. Think about that. Those times when you did your own thing and you went your own way apart from God, maybe it was that time that you sinned in your anger and you said things you wish you hadn't. Maybe it was a small lie that compounded to another lie and then another when we sin, it's not just going against what God expects, but it's, it always hurts us and those who are around us in some way, some degree, or fashion. And it often will move us into hiding behind shame or guilt. See, holiness is simply always the best option for your life, even if it isn't the easiest option. If you're going to strive for holiness, then make sure you get a solid foundation of what holiness is and how it pertains to your life. We've got Three S words here to help us get a better idea of what holiness is about. Now, if you're taking notes, write these down, give them to you one at a time. Separated, set apart, sacred. Let's tackle these one at a time. First, it means separated. We're separated from sin and connected to God. See, God is holy, and when you are saved, you become holy. Listen to what Paul wrote in 2nd. Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. You see, when you become a Christian, you are, de- you are declared as being holy, not because of anything that you've done, but based on who Jesus Christ is. Therefore, it's natural and correct for the Christian to declare themselves to be holy through the work of Christ in our life. Well, I don't mean that you should declare it. That'd be weird. Uh, just know that in Christ, we are separated from sin and we are connected to God. Yet the reality is we all have struggles. We all have issues. We all fall down at times. We all are tempted and on occasion give in to those temptations. Does that negate our position of holiness in Christ? No, we're saved by grace. That's why we can declare with confidence in Christ, I am holy. And because we are holy, we become more and more like Christ every day. We are holy and we are being made more holy. See, the Bible, Bible words for this are simply that we are justified, we have been justified, and we are being sanctified. A funny story, I have a friend who once was trying to explain to a group of second and third graders this big idea of holiness. And he's trying to unpack it for them, and he says, it starts when we're saved and we become Christians, that's justification, but continues throughout our life, that's sanctification. So it's both an instantaneous and continual, gradual work of God in our lives. It's the work of God, not our work, yet we still have a response of faith. And he just kept explaining, we're described in the Bible, you see, as holy. And he went on for a good while, quoting verses and sharing these deep thoughts with this group of second and third graders <laughs> explaining this idea of this calling to pursue holiness. And he thought he was doing such an amazing job. And when he was finished, almost out of breath, he looked down at this group of second and third graders, and they're just wide-eyed as they could be. And he could tell they were a little confused. One little girl raised her hand and said, so what is it? My friend was getting ready to launch into another explanation whenever a little boy asked, can I, ex- can I answer? Sure, my friend said, and the little boy said, It means more God in our lives and less sin. And he said, my friend says, that was a great answer, Nathaniel. And he said, yeah, I was really hoping you weren't gonna say all those other words over again. Isn't that a perfect and short explanation? More God and less sin. Our first S word, holiness means separated from sin and connected to God. All right, second, holiness means set apart set apart for a special purpose to be used by God. We see this idea of being set apart all the way through the Old Testament. Items used in the temple, for example, for worship were set apart for specific worship activities. The Levites were an entire tribe that were set apart to serve in the temple. And even the nation of Israel was set apart to display who God is. See, he intended the entire nation to be a witness of him. In the New Testament, this theme is taken up, but with believers being called a holy nation, to be a witness of Jesus. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2, verse nine. He said, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Notice, it's not so that you can brag to your friends how awesome you are, or even for your own personal benefit, but so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. See, holy means set apart for a special and specific purpose. My wife uh, always has had scissors in the kitchen that are only intended to be used with cooking activities. We have other scissors, but these are special scissors. Everybody knows it too. They are holy scissors. They have been set apart for a very specific purpose. But one time I needed a pair of scissors for something I was doing in the garage. I was working on a car, and I made the mistake of running in and using the holy pair of scissors. I knew better, but I also thought I might get away with it. I didn't. Yes, we're still married. Here's my question. What is our special purpose? See, Christians are to be set apart for the special purpose of revealing Christ to others and preaching the gospel to those around us. The second S word is set apart for a purpose to be used by God. Which helps us make sense of the third S word. See, holiness means sacred. We have been consecrated to God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, Paul wrote this, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. I've heard a lot of poor application of this passage. In context, he's simply referring to the body of Christ. He's saying it's sacred, and we should treat sacred things special. But whenever Paul wrote Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, he knew that the one thing that needed to happen for the body of Christ to be effective was for the people in the body of Christ, to be humble and to humble themselves and treat that body of Christ as sacred. You see, look again at the context of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, because it answers the question, how do I live a set-apart life? What does holiness look like in everyday life? How do I reveal the holiness of God in my life? You see, it starts by fully surrendering to the lordship of Jesus Christ in the context of everyday life. Life. We begin with verse 5, Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. See, for the body of Christ to be effective requires that each of us submit ourselves to God. We have to allow God to use us for his purpose. So to be holy is to be separated, is to be set apart, is to be sacred. You are holy, so be holy is how Peter said it. Be holy in your thoughts, in your speech in your actions, be holy in your words, be holy in everything that you do. Listen, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and that means that God has chosen to reveal himself to those around you through you, which means that how I live matters. All right, this call of holiness for many, may, frankly, it may feel overwhelming. You often feel defeated when faced with this calling. You'll never fully... And completely arrive this side of heaven at complete holiness. God has called us to be holy, realizing that we would not reach a perfect, full, complete state of holiness this side of heaven. Now, I realize those of you who are married were really hoping for your spouse to be perfect, but deep down, you already knew this reality, right? For those who like to check off tasks that you've made on a list and you just wanna move on with your day, holiness is not like that. God didn't intend for you to accomplish holiness and move on with your next task. Striving for holiness is a lifetime endeavor. Maybe you're like me in that you do like to accomplish something and then move on, but the Christian life is a journey. It just includes a continual process of maturing, of growing, of developing. We will experience a full complete state of personal holiness, but it won't be on this side of heaven And yet God still calls us to be holy. You know, it's like the coach who says, give it 110%. The coach knows you'll never get to 110%. But what is the coach doing? He's setting the goal in front of us to strive towards. Listen to how Paul says it in Philippians chapter 3. He writes, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice what Paul is saying. I haven't arrived at my goal, but I press on. I haven't taken hold of it yet but I press on, I strain to what is ahead. I'm not giving up or giving in, I'm pressing on. Just realize that you'll never fully, completely arrive this side of heaven, but you press on toward the goal. So let me ask you a question. What's one area that God is wanting to make more Christ-like for you? Where do you need to be more holy? Is it in your thoughts? Maybe it's your speech or maybe in your actions. You see, your life is a book. It's known and read by others. Friends, when we live this out, striving to be holy in our thoughts, our speech, and our actions, just think about the impact that it's gonna make in your life. And think about the impact that it's gonna have in every relationship that you have. Think about the impact it could have in the world. Let's make a choice to strive to be holy in all we do. What did Peter write? Well, he said, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Be holy. Live a life that's separated from sin and connected to God. Live a life that's set apart. Live a life that's sacred. See how closely you can walk with God every day. Let God use you to reveal him to those around you. That's holiness. And I'll say to you again, Merry Christmas to you and yours. For those who may have never declared Jesus to be Lord, why not make that confession of faith today? Why not be born again today? Simply repent of sin, be baptized into Christ. You know, when we're baptized, Scripture pictures us as dying to our old self and being raised to walk a brand new life. And so you see, as it turns out, this incredible work, the song, O Holy Night, requested by a forgotten parish priest, written by a poet who sporadically attended the church, given soaring music by a Jewish composer, and brought to America to serve as much as a tool to spotlight the sinful nature of slavery as it was to tell the story of the birth of a Savior, has grown to become one of the most beautiful, inspired pieces of music ever created. Now nearly 175 years later, that song proclaims Christ who redeems us Yet it also reminds us that not everyone who sings the carol believes the truth of those words. Now, wherever you are, whether meeting with just your family or with a few friends, I hope that today's Christmas carol serves to remind you of the importance of the attitude of holiness. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you have called us to a very high calling. I thank you, Father, for loving us the way you do, for showing and extending us your mercy and your grace and thank you Father for the example of your son Jesus Christ and the holy life he lived I pray Father for every one of us that we will live today a life that is holy in thought and holy in speech and holy in action it's in the name of your son Jesus we pray Amen Thanks for tuning in If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.